This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. morning everybody so good to be with you here at harbor at home i just i just love these kind of moments i look back and think of the early church and there are times with jesus you know as we gather in our homes with our families uh maybe with a few friends maybe with some others that that don't even go to church and and just have a time together where we just look into the word of god we ask some questions we have some conversations together we minister to one another and we really believe for that change that that process of the transformation of God that we fully possess on the inside continue to take root inside of our hearts. And so we're going to go there again this morning. We're, we're looking at, at beautiful things that, that come out of brokenness. Been in this New Beginning series this entire summer. It's been amazing. And I want to just go again into a message that I'm titling in this New Beginning series called The Fourth Man. The Fourth Man. And it comes from a story in... The book of Daniel, we're going to turn there in just a minute, but we're going to, the, the, the concept that we're going to go for today and we're going to look at is navigating persecution resulting from not bowing to idolatry in the midst of cultural brokenness. Now, I think this is very relevant uh, to today. The, the imagery that we're going to see in this story can be applied to, to what's going on in our current world, in our current nation, in our current cities. Um, all across the world right now, I think there's a, a lot of pressure to come under this idolatry that's out there and, and get us to bow, if you will, you know, to, to yield to it. There's, there's a lot of social pressure right now to, to yield with the cultural normatives, but we got to understand and be able to see with the eyes of God what is of Christ and what is against Christ, or the Bible calls it antichrist. It's super, super simple. It just means against Jesus, against the spirit of Jesus. And we are people of Christ. We are people of his spirit. We are of his likeness, of his likeness. And um, we need to, to find our way in this moment by following him and by getting instruction from his word. So if you would join me as we look into Dan, Daniel chapter 3. I'm going to read a decent amount of scripture here this morning. Just let that sink into our hearts and, and let God speak to us as we go along on this journey. But in verse 1 of chapter 3, here's the, here's the, the, the main figure, King Nebuchadnezzar. And he makes this gold statue, 90 feet tall, 9 feet wide, and he set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence of Babylon. Now, Babylon, the imagery, you can see this in, in the book of Revelation, it really represents the system of the world, or in other words, the culture of this world. So he sets up this gold statue that he creates in Babylon. It's centered right in the midst of the culture of this world, right? It says in verse 2, then he sent messages to the high officers, verse 2, officials, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the provincial officials to come to the dedication of the statue that he had up. So this was, this was really being propagated and led and ruled by the government. So the governments of the land. This is where it was functioning under under Nebuchadnezzar. And verse 3, it says, So all these officials came and stood before the statue 
King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Set up, if you look at the language there, it literally means what he had established in the culture of that nation. So there was things that had been established under leadership in the nation. Then this this culture that had been established in verse 4, it's heralded or it's shouted out to all the people like, hey, everybody, this is the culture of our land. This is how things are going to go. This is what it's going to look like. This is how you're supposed to respond, right? They're going to give all of those instructions in this moment. And you can see it at verse 4. So the herald shouted out, people of all races, all nations, all languages. So it wasn't just for Babylon. It was, it was the culture of the world. So it's, it's, it's just easy to see this here, that what was being propagated, what was trying to be released, what was trying to be brought onto the earth was affecting everybody, all right? And really, you know, you got to see this, what's going on in our world, what has been going on since the dawning of time and, and the fall of man is that it's not just meant for one particular nation, one particular people group, one particular ethnicity. It's meant to come and oppress the whole world and get it to bow to its idolatry. To its the idolatry is simple, simply something that replaces God as preeminent. All right, so I'm not talking about just like little statues or something like that. I'm talking about I'm talking about a system and a culture that's set up and designed to get people to worship it, basically. That's, that's the whole idea here. So, Because look at this in verse 5. He says, so when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and other musical instruments, bow to the ground and worship King Nebuchadnezzar's golden statue. So when the music rings out, all right? You've heard of the Pied Piper, right? That's the guy that would play this sound and get everybody else to follow. It's the same concept. When the music begins to play, bow down and worship that which has been set up. Now, there's a threat that goes along with this. Like, if you think about it, like, God doesn't operate like this, but the world system does. Hey, follow us or we're coming after you, right? We're going to come after you. We're going to come to your house. It's not like, it's not like freedom to choose, right? Like, even in, the, even in God's system, it's like, you don't have to choose the Lord. Like he heralds out his truth. But, you know, there's no guarantee uh, that anybody's going to come and cooperate with that. But in this other system, it's kind of more oppressive in its nature. It comes and tries to, to force you to bow. Because look at verse 6. Here's the threat. Anyone who refuses to obey will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. So he set up this place of punishment, if you will for those who weren't willing to worship or to bow to the system that had been put in place on the, on the, nation, on the nation, actually over the, the entire earth, as I said earlier. Verse 7, so at the sound of the musical instruments, all the people, whatever their race or nation or language, bowed to the ground and worshipped the gold statue that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So it worked. This plan had worked. It got the good majority of the entire world to bow to what was being brought onto the scene under this really demonically oppressed, if not fully possessed, leader that was in place at the time. But look at this, verse 8. Some of the astrologers went to the king and informed on the Jews. That means to have accusation against or to slander. So they went to, to bring accusation or slander against the character of these, of these Jews that were not bowing. Verse 9, they said to Nebuchadnezzar, Long live the king. 
Verse 10, you issued a decree requiring all the people to bow down and worship the gold statue when they heard the sound of the horn, flute, harp, pipes, and other instruments, lyre. The, 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 that decree also, verse 11, states that those who refuse to bow down must be thrown into blazing furnace. So I want you to think, like, there were others that were in partnership with this spirit. It wasn't just the king's edict. There were those that were, like, looking. It had taken, now it had went from him and transferred down to his his priests, if you will, like his propagators of his gospel. See, everybody's preaching some sort of news, you know, and that they would, they would say it's good news, right? Everybody has a message. Everybody wants people to respond to what they're trying to say and get people to follow it. And in this case, demand people to follow or there would be punishment. And these were those minions, if you will, that had taken on the spirit, these astrologers, um, they were priests, if you will, of the day that were, that were working with him. And, and they, they came to slander and bring accusation against the, the, the Jew, these, these, these men that, that were not bowing. The, the, the accusation plays right into the brokenness of culture and, and the ramifications for, for resisting idolatry. Listen, if you, if you resist what the enemy wants you to try to bow to and begin to worship, you are going to be accused. You are going to be slandered. Like, listen, don't buy into whatever accusation or slander against whatever individual until you really know that person. Because maybe behind it all, you might find that it's actually a very righteous, very good individual who's simply just not bowing to the culture of this world and they're being unjustly persecuted, accused, and slandered. Verse 12. But there are some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Here were the three guys. It was a trio. A cord of three stands is not, strands is not easily broken. No one was having to do this on their own. They were three band of brothers, if you will, that were like, we're not going to bow. He says, who you've put in charge of the province of Babylon. So they already had favor on their life. Listen, this is the, this is the deal right here. You can have favor and be given position, but then when you're threatened to bow, and think, man, if, if I don't, I'm going to lose my position, that's when what you, the favor that you've been given is going to be tested. This is very important because God wants to give favor. He wants to put us in positions of leadership. He wants to put us in positions of influence. But that will be tested when you are brought into a moment where you're either going to bow to the world around you and the system as, it, as it's working and the threats that are coming against you if you don't and you're probably thinking in the back of your mind, if I don't do that, I'm going to have to give up or forfeit my position. I don't know if I want to do that. Listen, I remember when I was in the business world, there were so many opportunities in corporate America for me to bow to that culture that was existing within that system and that structure. It was, it was governmental in the sense of like working through business, through that sphere of, of, of the mountain of influence in the, in the world. And, and I remember, like, man, I'd been given favor. I'd been put into a position. I think some of you may know my story, like meeting Sam Walton, the founder of Walmart, and be given this great opportunity, and he put me in a, in a, in a position. But then when I got into that position, there were opportunities that were presented to me like, hey, this is how you need to do business. And a lot of it, the good majority was unethical. And if you don't do this, you're not going to have and be able to maintain your position of power. And so I had to go to God. I was like, Lord, I need you to help me to be able to function within this system and do righteously, not lose the position that you've given me, actually increase in the position that you've given me, but at the same time not compromise to the culture that's being brought to me and trying to get me to bow to it, to worship it. 
These, these astrologers said in the latter part of verse 12, they pay no attention to you, king. Uh, they refuse to serve your gods and do not worship the gold statue that you set up. There's the word right there. They do not worship what you've set up. This is all about our worship. It's all about what we're going to give our hearts to, what we're going to give our attention to, what we're going to give our affections to. And God is either going to have him be worshipped by people that he is raising up on the earth that are going to be powerful instruments to bring a new beginning, to bring beauty out of brokenness, or people are going to fall to the masses or the mass response to worship the other system. Look at what happens here when he hears about this. Verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar flew into a rage. He became enraged. And his rage was directed at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, this ain't some cute little Bible story. This is, this is real life. This happened, all right? He turns his rage against these three men. And he asks them in verse 14, is this true? Do you refuse to serve my gods and, and to, or, or to worship the gold statue I've set up? And he says in verse 15, he's actually, I think he's actually a little intimidated here because no king would give anybody a chance. But he's like, who are these guys that are standing up to me? I mean, he was probably the most powerful individual in the world at the time. He says, I'll give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue. Verse 15, I have made, when you hear the sounds of the musical instruments, when you respond to my worship, but if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace And then he taunts them a little bit here, and he says, and then what God will be able to rescue you from my power? See, there's some humans that really believe under the the demonic guise that they've been sold, this bill of goods, really believe that they have some sort of power and authority at the end of the day. They might in the natural, but man, under God, he could wipe it out, take it away just like that. In verse 16, these men responded and they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. That's beautiful right there. They don't need to go into some long story and build their defense. They just said, hey, at the end of the day, here's the deal, verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able. That word literally means he could prevail if he wanted to. 100%. Like It's not like maybe... Or it's, you know, it's possible, like, no, he would prevail if he wanted to. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But I love how they qualify this because, you know, they're just trying to walk in the best they know in terms of the will of God and stuff. And they're not trying to put God to the test. They're not saying, hey, if you really love us, you'll 100% respond to our scenario. Because unfortunately, bad things happen to good people. We've heard that before, right? We've seen that. And here were some good guys that were standing up. So they say this. I love this in verse 17. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from his power. But, verse 18, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. They, they, they draw a line in the sand and they say, listen, we're not going to do it. My goodness, I, I just think about like, where are we at today as the church when it comes to the system that's trying to propagate itself in the world and trying to get us to bow, and not only bow, but to worship it? Have we 
made a decision. Listen, if we live, if we die, if we're, we maintain our position of authority and, and, and favor and success, or if we don't, we're not going to worship. Man, we think worship is standing on some stage, singing a bunch of songs, or being out in an audience, lifting our hands. Man, that's worship. That's, that's a decisive, volitional, willful expression of worship to God. We will not bow. We will not compromise. We will serve the Lord and the Lord alone. This is crazy. Verse 19 of chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar was so furious that his face, it says, became distorted with rage. This is demonic possession right here. And so in this demonic rage, it says that he commanded the furnace being heated seven times faster, hot, sorry, faster, hotter than normal. Then he ordered, verse 20, some of the strongest men in the army. So he wasn't just like, you know, moving like minimally here. He was putting everything he had into this attack against these guys. Strongest men to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. And verse 22 says, because the king in his anger had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they were just throwing these guys in. They weren't even going in. They were just at the edge. It was so hot, even as they, they had to get close enough to throw these guys in, they themselves lost their lives. That's how intense this moment was. And so verse 23 says that they, they were securely tied and they fell, in, fell into the roaring flames. Now here's where new beginnings come. I'm going to read this and we're going to close. Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement, verse 24 it says, and explained to the astrologers, these advisors, right? These magi, these, these priests who were propagating his gospel. And he begins to speak another gospel to them. Didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they, re- they replied. Verse 25, look, Nebuchadnezzar says, I see four men, no longer tied but unbound, walking around in the fire unharmed, and the fourth looks like a god. Verse 26, then Nebuchadnezzar came as close as he could to the door of the flaming furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here, come to me. Talk to me, let me see you, get close to me. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego stepped out of the fire. Verse 27, then the high officers, officers, officials, governors, and advisors crowded around them and saw with their own eyes that the fire had not touched them. Not a hair on their heads was singed and their clothing was not scorched. They didn't even smell of smoke. In other words, everything that tried to come against them did not prevail just like they spoke of previously. Verse 28. Look at this. A demonic, oppressed ruler, king, then begins to say, because of these guys' stand, 
praise to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He starts to worship what they were worshiping. He no longer even said anything about all the oppression that he had sent out over the entire world and the the system he had set up to, to fear people into worshiping him and the idols and the gods that he had set up in his nation. He says he sent the angel to rescue his servants. Here it is in the latter part of verse 28. Who trusted in him. They defied the king's. He's preaching and giving praise to these guys. They defied the king's command and were willing to die rather than to serve or worship any god except their own. Gosh, if there's anything that's a new beginning that's so powerful to see is this story and what's possible if, men people take a stand in worshiping Jesus. Then he makes this decree. If any people, verse 29, whatever their race or nation or language, speak a word against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now he didn't say you had to worship their God, but he said don't say anything against it because it's true. What if the fear of the Lord was so strong in the earth that no one would say anything about God, even if they didn't join him? Sound familiar? That's how it was with the, with the early church. They esteemed them so highly in the God that they worshiped, even if they didn't join them. That's what it says. Look it up in the book of Acts. Then the king, look at this, last verse. Promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to even higher positions in the province of Babylon. Were they released from Babylon? No. Did everything straighten out in Babylon? Not fully. But they got a higher position of promotion to exercise their righteousness in those spheres that God had placed them in because they were faithful. It's just that simple. Listen. Here's the questions as we close. What is your greatest hindrance to righteously resisting persecution? In other words, resisting worshiping a system that's come against you, that threatens to punish you. What's the reason that you would have any hindrance to just worshiping God alone? I think that's a very honest question that we all need to look at. Like, is it fear? Is it you know, concern that I won't make enough money, that I'll lose my position of authority, that I'll, that I'll be falsely accused. You know, what is it? What's going on behind the scenes of your heart there? Number two, this is a good question. Do you currently have faith to stand for what's right, whether God rescues you or not? I think a lot of times we think, man, I'll do it if God rescues me. And then when he doesn't, we get even more disillusioned. We're angry at God. We're upset that he didn't come through for us. I loved how Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego responded. They said, listen, God could prevail. He totally has all the power to do it, and he will do it if he does respond. But even if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship you. Even if we lose our lives, we're not going to worship. Last question. I want you to discuss with your family, your friends, whoever you're gathered with today, how you see God using his people in the midst of persecution to reveal Jesus to the world, because that's the big idea of this story. Nebuchadnezzar, it wasn't about seeing Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was about seeing that fourth man, which is the title of this message, walking in the fire with them unbound. I was just in Montana seeing my father. Got to hang out with my brother for a little bit. My cousin 
who was there, and he is a new Christian. My cousin had just come to faith in Jesus, and we were talking, and, and I was like, just checking in on him. How you doing, man? And he said, well, I'm not doing so good. I'm a little disillusioned right now just about what's going on. I just want to see God prevail. And I just stopped him right there. I said, listen, God already has prevailed. He's already fully prevailed over everything. It says on that day when Jesus came up out of that grave, it said that he made a spectacle of this enemy that propagates this kind of culture over the earth and he made a fool of him. He, 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 he totally revealed the weakness of his power by raising himself again from the dead, overcoming death, hell, and the grave. I said to my cousin, I said, listen, you need to rest in that finished work. Whether it looks like it's accomplished right now and all the circumstances going on in the world with coronavirus, with, uh, you know, social unrest with this that and the other financial you know potential repercussions all the stuff that's happening listen jesus has prevailed worship him love him stand and don't give your heart or your mind over to anything else let me just pray father would you come today would you raise up a shadrach meshach and abednego type uh, remnant on the earth, a cord of three strands of, of those who will bind themselves together with you and with each other to reveal Jesus to the world by not bowing to the system, but by giving themselves in worship only to you. We love you, Lord. We worship you today. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.